Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. The benefit of consistency. Hi, it's Diane Allen here at Someone Gets Me, and I have an amazing guest for us today. Cheryl Cooley is coming to us from her rehearsal room in Los Angeles, California. She took time out of her busy day to talk to us about the payoff of consistency and how consistency in mind, heart, actions has really driven her career, her life, and her enjoyment of everything that is. We've already been talking for a little while and we're already laughing. So you're probably gonna have a lot of laughter in this show. So get ready for some fun because it feels like I've known her forever. It's so fun. So Cheryl, welcome to the Someone Gets Me podcast for this amazing adventure we're going to have talking about consistency. Thank you for coming. Yo, you're welcome and thank you. This, this is going to be quite, a, uh, I'm going to say, e-ticket ride for those people that are over 40. They know what that means. An e-ticket ride at Disney, of course. You only got one or two of them in the books and you had to save them for just the right thing. So here we go. You are a guitar player and a musician. Yes. And you're a woman who broke some of the rules there in the beginning of your career and did some things that a lot of people were maybe a little bit surprised at. So what I'm wondering is, was there a time, even like young, even when you were younger and things, where you kind of looked at the world and go, they don't get me? Like, like almost like people didn't understand your vision or who you are or that you feel, felt misunderstood. Did that ever happen? You know, I, I can't really explain it like that or describe it like that. Mm -hmm. This is how I describe it. I was too stupid to know I wasn't supposed to make it or play guitar or just do the things that I did in my life to get here. I laugh at myself because I look at things that were outlined for me as a woman, uh, you know, and I realized I forgot to read the rule book. <laughs> I, call, I call it being um, spiritually naive. Like I, I have the similar thing. Like I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing that. So nobody told me I couldn't. So I did. And then it's, it, I look back and go, oh, like I was one of the first women to ever race sailboats ever. And it's like, oh, I wasn't supposed to. Huh? Oh, well, I did. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I had a uh, uh, college uh, teachers, professors, I guess you can call them. And, you know, they were kind of uh, subliminally uh, trying to make me mess up or fail. And I was just too, you know, too uh, airheaded to know that they were trying to stumble me up. So I kept <laughs> passing the test. I kept passing the grades. <laughs> no matter what they did, like, ah, oh, she did it again. <laughs> So when, so when you're an outlier like that and, and the other people who think they can corral you um, are unsuccessful and um, you have to learn at some point how to have some kind of discipline having, following your vision, right? Yeah. So, 
So tell us a little bit about the story. Uh, you obviously are very successful and you know how to play guitar really well. So when did you start? How did you get introduced to a guitar? And did you like it in the beginning? Like, was it like beautiful and wonderful or was it one of those things you grew to? Like, what was that about? Like, give us the juice. Like, what was really going on? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, my parents always gave me a toy guitar every Christmas, you know, from, I mean, I, I saw a picture when I was four years old and there's a toy guitar in the, under the tree, you know? So for some reason, there was always a toy guitar around me. Now my mom, I'm going to say she was an intuitive, but she would not claim it. She would just say, well, you know, I know things. Okay, mom. <laughs> That's an intuitive last I checked. Okay. <laughs> So there was always some sort of guitar around me, you know, and as I got older, you know, of course it got more and more bigger and complicated, you know, well, not complicated, but just, you know, not so toy orientated, but functional oriented. <laughs> so um, everyone in my family, my mother, my father, my sister, none of them played music, but they all had a talent of their own. My father, he was an artist of any medium, you know, drawing, painting, sculpting. He could, you know, look at something and create it, you know, in, in, in just the way it looked. My mother, she was a tailor, seamstress. She could, you know, look at a picture and make any garment that you wanted. Mm -hmm. My sister, who is 16 years older than I am, she went to Juilliard for choreography. So she had dance. And here comes Cheryl with music. <laughs> Oh, there was something there for everyone. <laughs> so the creativity and the visionary spirit is in the DNA. Yeah. Oh, I like how you put that. I have to write all these little things down. It's in the DNA. Yeah. So, so how old were you when you really started playing guitar, guitar, not play guitar? Right. Okay. So my again, my sister, who's uh, 16 years older than I am, she was married to a jazz musician by the name of Hubert Laws. And, you know, they... My sister used to travel with him, and, and uh, he was on tour with the uh, Mango San Maria uh, band. And uh, they happened to be at my mom's house, you know, my parents' house, and, and I had this toy guitar, of course. And, you know, we were all excited that this musician had married into the family. And uh, for some odd reason, you know, like the universe has a plan, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, the toy guitar was accidentally tuned to a, a TV theme song called Secret Agent Man. And so I was all excited and I ran in the room and I, you know, told my sister and Hubert, I said, oh, look, I can play guitar. And so my sister said, wow, why don't we get Cheryl some guitar lessons? So at that age, I was about 11 years old. And so, uh, you know, they, they got me like a, a month's worth of guitar lessons to see if I was really going to like it. But, you know, it was, it was like a marriage. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel like it was, wasn't something I wasn't supposed to do. You know, it just felt like, okay, I'm done. This is what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, and, you know, fast forward a little bit from that, you know, I mean, I had seen, uh, you know, bands on TV, you know, uh, the rock bands that had kind of come up, up at that time. So, you know, it, it all kind of seeped into my psyche. And I remember, uh, having a dream, I don't know, daymare, nightmare, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing myself on stage playing electric guitar. The lights were going, the audience was screaming, the music was going, and I was getting ready to step up to the microphone. Now, this is before, you know, all of this, you know, 
happened for me. I get ready to step to the microphone. I looked over to my right at the band. I thought, gee, they look kind of odd. But I couldn't define it in my dream. So I don't get a little ahead of myself, but let's fast forward maybe, I don't know, 20 years from that point or 10 years from that point, whatever it was. Right. And I I was performing at the Olympic Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles. The lights were going, the music was going, the audience was going. And all of a sudden, you know, deja vu. I was like, oh my God, here's the dream. dream. Let me look over to the right and see what it was in the dream that I couldn't understand that was kind of odd about the band. So I looked over to my right and was like, oh, it's an all-female band. Nice, nice. So you you had that dream and then like a decade or more later, you got to have the experience of going, wow, this is what I dreamt. Yeah, yeah, because you know, even as taking guitar lessons and stuff, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. I just felt it in my being that, you know, I was going to be a successful musician. I had no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I just knew. I just, every day of my life, I just kept waiting for them to come along and give me the, the, the recording contract. You know, it's like, whoo, they take a long time. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There's a lot of time between when we know what we're doing and when it shows up a lot of times. You know, it's like, okay, all right then. <laughs> You know, it's like, I know the script. I need you guys to keep, get, on, get on that timeline here. <laughs> get with the program, right? Wham. So did you ever do any other kind of work or, voc- or job or vocation or whatever? Or did you just always just play guitar from the time you were 11 and then went professional? And, or was there other things going on? Well, yeah, I mean, sure. You know, my, my parents were very big about, you know, you better learn how to, you know, do some other skills so you'll, you know, have a job and you can eat. <laughs> So uh, I just happened to go into uh, bank uh, machines or bank computers. Well, they were bank machines at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I did that pretty good because that, that was, you know, that was my occupation working for a bank. I won't say which one because there were several. <laughs> right. You know, so uh, and even with that, um, it was still part of the plan. It was still part of the divine plan because the bank that I happened to be working for, um, you know, and I, I was. I was uh, rehearsing with, with, with Climax at the time, and I was telling my supervisor about this all-girl band I was in. And she said, really? Well, you know, if you give me a picture and demo tape, I'll take it to my uncle. He's a producer for Peebo Bryson, Minnie Ripperton. His name is Johnny Payne. So, you know, I told the band about it. We went in the studio and got this demo tape. And, uh, you know, I gave it to her, and she gave it to, to her uncle, Johnny Payne. And uh, he had a meeting with us. And, uh, you know, so even though, you know, working at the bank gave me the opportunity to pass on to the music. So it was still part of all the plan, mm-hmm. all the part of the divine plan. So uh, let me just say, when he listened to the tape, he didn't like it. <laughs> he did it. Right. But when one door closes, that does not mean another door won't open. Sure. So he happened to be having lunch with the vice president of Solar Records, Margaret Nash. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I got this tape for this all-girl band. I don't think they sound too good. Man, maybe you can do something with them. She said, all-girl band, let me see. <laughs> so she listened to the tape, and she loved it. And then she came to our rehearsal, and the rest is history. I know there's a whole lot of other parts of that, but my point is, you just never know. You can't give up. You just got to keep going. Because you can have a thousand no's, and you got one yes, and that's all you need. And that's right. It keeps the door open, and it we have to keep moving forward. So how, 
in those early days, and maybe it's still the case today, how much practice time do you put in in a week? Oh, you know, not as much as I should. Um, you know, when I was younger, I probably did, you know, four or five, you know, days a week, you know, many, many hours when I really had the time to do it. You know, as a, as a kid growing up, you know, I mean, like I said, my, my sister was much older than I was, so the guitar was my only playmate. So I, I practiced a lot when I was younger. As I've gotten older, you know, it's kind of the essentials. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm thinking about when you think about being consistent in something, and a lot of times I hear when, especially with the musicians, and I work with a lot of, of musicians who are, have been recorded and they're doing quite well. And I also hear it with the athletes I work with. And that is a lot of um, misunderstanding from the average person about what it takes behind the scenes with consistent focus and effort and work to produce what a four minute song or a three minute song. And, and that's why I asked you like how much practice you've done, because I think there's perspective in, and the average person doesn't get, oh, okay, well, she plays guitar and like, she's really good. And that's really nice. And she's in a rock band. Oh, big deal. Well, wait a second. It's really hard work. And then you add travel and being on the road. And then that ups the ante, at least in my world. So that's why I'm asking the question. Can you give people an idea of the behind the scenes amount of effort that it takes to have this as your career? Like, you know, teachers grade homework, you know, everybody has a thing they're doing behind the scene, but I don't think people really get that. Yes. Okay. So you really naturally have, it's in your DNA to play the guitar. You always knew it, but you still have to work. You still have to be consistent. So talk about that a little bit, if you will. That there's, there's so much planning involved before we get up on that stage and do that one hour show. I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, uh, a consistent 30 day plan, uh, you know, from, from, and when I say plan, I mean, you know, once the contracts and everything are signed, then, you know, it's all the little technical things, you know, the hotel, the travel, all of that. But even before that, you know, um, rehearsing consistently is very important. I mean, we have a, a once a week, uh, consistent rehearsal, uh, you know, before the pandemic happened, we always rehearsed at least once a week. So you think about once a week, 52 weeks out of the year, there's a constant energy going, constant uh, rehearsal energy going. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we rehearse probably from eight to 11 uh, at night because so some people have jobs that they do need to go to and some people don't. So, I mean, we have a consistent rehearsal schedule. And then once, you know, the contract is signed and we know that we're going to be doing a, a show, then because we rehearse so much, it doesn't take a lot of um, like friction and, and effort to really you know, put the pieces together. We already have it down. How the music is going to sound is just about putting together a set list. So, you know, you've got your music, you rehearsed, you've got your choreography, you've got all this stuff. Then you have to make sure that, you know, you have safe travel. Are you going to fly? Are you going to drive? Are you going to walk? <laughs> right. Well, you have to get there. You have to, you have to be there in time and ready. Right. And, you know, being on the West Coast, being in California, usually we have to travel the farthest. I mean, most most of the concerts that we, you know, would be performing for mm -hmm. would be on the other side of the Mississippi. Yep. <laughs> so we have to jump on a plane, you know. So I travel with 10 people. There's six in the band and then I have a crew. 
So I've got to make sure all those 10 people have some sort of airline ticket. I've got to make sure that they have hotel rooms, whether we have our own hotel rooms or we are we, you know, uh, group together, you know, two in a room or whatever. I have to make sure everybody, you know, has some sort of safe travel, have some sort of, you know, safety around them. <clears throat> so then, you know, then we also have to make sure we have our wardrobe. We, you know, we want to look pristine when we get off stage. Does everybody have the right wardrobe? You know, of course, with girls, you got to worry about hair and makeup. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we, we have our production manager who makes sure that the, the, the sound and the instruments are going to be there when we get there. Either we bring some with us or we have to rent some when we get back. You know, he's got to make sure that the, uh, the venue or the stage manager, he understands what our needs are, electrical, sound, lighting. Uh, uh, there's a lot of that that I'm not even involved with that I have somebody else do that you know, he's got to make sure all of that technical and staging and everything is there. Are we on the safe stage? Are we going to be there enough time to do sound check and, you know, all that? Is there, is there a backstage? Is there a dressing room? Is there food in the dressing room? All of that, you know, has to happen before we play note one. Then there's the hotel. Where is the hotel? How far is the hotel from the venue? How are we going to get from the hotel to the venue? Right. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, at the hotel, uh, you know, where the room, because I like to keep everybody together just because of safety. You know, I don't want somebody to be on the 12th floor and then somebody else be on the second floor and we don't know what's going on. So we, you know, as girls, we try to kind of room together some kind of way, you know, the next room over or something so that we have an idea where everybody is. Safety and, and security in an all-female band is almost second nature. You really have to think about it. You know, with guys, you know, they just, they go on and don't think about it. But you know, as, as women, we really have to kind of, that's kind of got to be a second thing. Like, you know, mm -hmm. where is so-and-so? We got to check in, you know, good, good thing we have cell phones so we can, you know, where are you? <laughs> that kind of right, thing. You know? Right. So that's another factor that we have to play. So we're at the hotel. Do we have enough time? You know, when we get to the hotel, when do we get to the hotel? How much time do we have at the hotel before we have to be at the venue for sound check? And then is there enough time between sound check and the time we have to be on stage? Do we get to go back to the hotel or do we have to stay at the venue? Then you have to have your 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 uh, stage attire, you know, whatever extra makeup or you have to have there. You've got to, you know, either dress at the hotel or dress at the venue. Uh, you know, I it is so much machinery going on before we get ready to, you know, the announcer say, and here we go, climax. We've already put in, you know, several months of preparation before we hit that first note so that when we do get on stage and we do play those songs, the audience will not have any idea of all the blood, sweat and tears that we had to put into that so that they can enjoy that moment. They can enjoy that show. And so we can enjoy it also. I mean, we've got months and months of preparation to have a great time for whatever it is, 30, 45, an hour time on stage and then that's it <laughs> right and and you want to have a good time so all that has to go smoothly and it takes rehearsal and it takes dedication and it takes consistency and it takes perseverance yeah. and it takes patience sometimes because some days you're probably playing really well and other days not so well you know like uh, you know also add Again, uh, as women, you know, we've got to think about the family issue. You know, some some women have families they've got to deal with, whether it's children, husband, or parents. And a lot of times, 
those people will not be as supportive because we are women, not because they're, you know, it's bad or negative, but because they're in fear. They're in fear that, you know, something's going to happen. Are you safe? You know, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should go home and be a housewife. Maybe you should, you know, take a more safe job. You know, why do you want to be up on stage and you've got all these strange people running after you? So as women, we have another layer of, um, uh, you know, obstacles that we have to get over. Right. Absolutely. It's it's a different different animal on some levels. It's yeah. a, I always say it's the same but different. Like yes, the, all the logistics are the same, and there's yet these other factors that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. So what does Cheryl like to do for fun? Oh, like enjoyment, relaxation, fun. Like, you know, every once in a while we all need to just do something different. What do you like yeah. to do? Yeah. You know, I, I used to like to go camping. <laughs> oh, camping's fun. I haven't done that in a while um, for many reasons, but I, I, I still have all my camping equipment. I'm ready. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I seriously like reading metaphysical books. I like studying about metaphysics, uh, spirituality. Yeah. That really is my comfort zone. Um, and there's so much to learn, so much I don't know. Uh, I used to pick up a book all the time. You know, now it's about reading all the stuff on the phone, you know. But, you know, being able to pick up a book and I'm one of those, I can't read a book and not highlight. I'm, I'm highlighting and writing all over the book. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's just me, you know. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got a couple of books kind of open at the thread right now. I'm trying to think of one I can even say a title of, but um, you know, the um, you know, I definitely have read like the seven. What is it? The seven spiritual laws or seven laws? Yep. Of, yeah. Um, seven spiritual you know, laws of success. Like yeah. Yes. Books like that. That's that's why I, I really enjoy reading. You know, when I can really sit down and take time with it. But it's about being disciplined and just making myself sit down and do it. Right. I love the study of metaphysics and I, I love the reading the different books, um, especially like from the Fillmore's and H. Emily Cady and the, the pioneers of it, because um, there were, the women led that movement in the beginning in this country. Yeah. Uh, and and it was started as a healing movement, the metaphysics in this country. And when you think about it, it's like there's a lot of power in that level of understanding. Right. So what else do you do for fun? Anything else? Read, you read um, and you play guitar. Okay. So what else do you do for fun? Well, I, you know, I, I love to know, like, what, what's the cool stuff? What do you do? Like, what do you like to do? You know, I like doing like little minor repairs at home. Actually, um, you know, uh, there was a moment in time when the, the, you know, the group didn't have a recording contract. And so I became an electrician. <laughs> you became an electrician. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it was part of the path because, you know, I mean, learning how to be an electrician, when the, when the knock on the door came to do the music touring again, I was able to build my own rehearsal room. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm sitting here thinking electrician and being able to use your fingers to get wired to move has a lot of the same dexterity playing a guitar does. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yeah. similar dexterity to it. So and you are clearly highly intelligent so you can understand it and then it's it kind of goes you know it makes sense to me that's really yeah. exciting though yeah and, and you know i mean I, I i you know i i own my own house so you know i'm doing minor repairs here and there or mm -hmm. upgrading here and there uh so i mean you know 
nowadays I, I, I won't do the big stuff like getting on the 12 foot ladders like I used to. Right. I used to do that. But I can tell them what I want them to do. Right. You have the vision. You know, go and tell them, look, I got a single phase electrical panel. It's only two phases, A and B, and I need this phase to do this side and this phase. You know, they're looking at me like, well, how do you know all of that? Say, because there's more to me than it looks like. <laughs> right. Right? Oh, that's amazing. Um, So what, in all your travels and all of your adventures, what would you say is the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Oh, gosh. Okay. Now, it could be a rumor, but this is what happened. <laughs> okay. So, um, sometime in the, in the late 80s, I guess, 90s or whatever, uh -huh. uh, we did a um, uh, military tour. We played at some Air Force bases. And... Um, one of the guys, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to take you to this, this taco uh, place, you know, restaurant. They're really good tacos there. We're like, oh, okay, we're in the Philippines somewhere. You know, I'm not really sure what city. So, you know, we, we go to this uh, taco place and, you know, the, the tacos are like, oh, man, they are so good. And like, oh, we never had anything so good. So it's like, you know, feeding four, five, six tacos. Like, Whoa. We're all full and everything. And so. We're getting ready to go, you know, back to the base where they have us staying at. And the guy said, oh, and by the way, those are dog tacos. Wow. <laughs> but they were good. And like, he didn't tell us. We didn't know. Right. You know. Yeah. But, you know, I have to say, whenever I go to uh, New Orleans, that's that's my favorite food right there. I'm, I'm, I don't even care which one it is. Any kind of New Orleans food. <laughs> yeah. Cajun food is delicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I ask a lot of the um, musicians who've been on the show and the entertainers too that, that travel a lot, like, what's your favorite memorable food? And several people mentioned have mentioned New Orleans in different ways. The, the Cajun kind of culture and food and not only being excited about performing in that city and the way they're received, but also the, the exquisite delicacies of just about anywhere you walk in is really good, you know? I haven't had alligator. I'm not looking forward to that. Well, I have had alligator because I live here in Florida and I've oh. had alligator. Barbecued alligator tail. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, it was quite good. It's it's very, it's a white meat, so it doesn't have a lot of its own flavor, really. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Wow. It's very, very mild. And uh, there you go. Now, now you know what alligator tastes like, right? <laughs> <laughs> so on the days that you got to get up and rehearse and work, and your beautiful passion of of the band seems like I don't want to do this, right? What do you do to help yourself get motivated on the unmotivated days so that you can maintain that consistent flow and you can maintain what you're going after? Like, how do you motivate yourself when you're not feeling it, but you still got to do it? Yeah. I, re I remember that there are other people depending on me. You mm. know, like I said, I, you know, there's, there's 10 of us that travel. Um, you know, there's, there's five women in the band that depend on me pushing forward. There's four, four people in my crew, men and women, that depend on me pushing forward. Um, yeah, sure, there's a lot of days. I mean, th there have been times when I've gotten to the gig and I'm like, I just really don't want to do this. 
But, you know, it's like I kind of suck it up because I know there are other people depending on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't have any children. I have a bank. <laughs> well, that takes up about as much time and energy as a child. So, yeah, you know, it's good. My point. So it's like, you know, I've got to push forward for them. I've got to stand, you know, strong for them. But there are times, you know, it's like, ah, you know, I, I, and I've even said it, you know, I, I've said it to my road manager, Amina, who's here with me, uh, helping me. You know, I've told her, you know, I, I, just, I don't think I want to do this anymore. It's, you know, several times I've said that. And then it's like, you know, the next morning I wake up and I just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of people depending on me. And then the other part really is the fans that communicate with me. And when they give me these stories about, you know, when I saw you on stage or when I hear that song, or, you know, you, when I heard your interview and and they inspire me to keep going, because I'm mm-hmm. thinking if I have in inspired somebody because of something I said in an interview, then I've got to move, I've got to press on. There's something I'm saying and offering to the universe, to the world, to to humans, you know. Right, right. I've got to keep going. Uh, You know, I mean, even in the band, we've made jokes about, you know, being 90 years old, still talking about the men all balls. (laughs) Right, right. And that's what happens and so be it. I mean, I just, I, I, this is it for me. I mean, music is music is me. Music is life. Music is my inhale and exhale. Sure, there's a lot of days I don't want to, but I think of the people, you know, my my in-house and outhouse people. Right. Depend on Cheryl Cooley to do something. <laughs> right. Now now it's Shep too, right? Right. <laughs> well, it's true, you know, because our human self sometimes doesn't want to do it, but when it's our calling. Yeah, that seems to override it anyway. Like I may not want to, and I might be stamping my princess foot and trying really hard not to. Yeah. But when we listen to our heart and we listen to our calling and your DNA, then it's the natural out picturing, even yeah. if we don't want to. So that's kind of where it's like, suck it up and do it because yeah. Yeah. that's the way it is. And I think, I think that's an important lesson for a lot of people who, um, kind of have that mentality of I'll try it once or twice and I'll put it down. And if I get frustrated once, I'll never do it again. And, and they don't have that stick to and that determination to keep going, 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 no matter what. So has there ever been a really um, rocky time in your career where you thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And if so, how did you get through it? Well, you know, I, I don't, I, I sum up that, that, you know, I've been from, you know, being in the Mercedes Benz dealership about to sign the paperwork to being in the food stamp line trying to eat. <laughs> I've been from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a life path. I mean, there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like the downs are never going to end, but they do. Mm-hmm. Things change. Nothing stays the same. Um, and, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I, I I have responsibilities that I've got to rise up to. Uh, You know, I've got to make sure I have a roof over my head, make sure I have food, uh, you know, clothes are way on the back line. And as you can see, my Climax t-shirt's almost (laughs) 24-7. I love that shirt. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, um, there are times when it's like, what, what am I doing? What is the universe thrown upon me? 
Do I stop? Are they, you know, am I getting the message to stop? Am I getting the message to continue on? You know, and I don't know if there's any one thing that keeps me pushed other than to, to remember that there's people depending on me. Right. That I've got to push myself. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I always tell musicians, don't feel ashamed of where where you've been in life. You know, hey, I've had to get food stamps just so I could eat. I remember walking into a grocery store and not even having enough money to buy raw chicken. <laughs> and I right. think about that, you know. And luckily here in California, I mean, you know, if it's that bad, you can probably get some food stamps some kind of way. But, you know, and I've also been to, to a point where, you know, trying to decide what kind of new car I want to get, you know, or what am I, what upgrades am I going to do on my house? Or, you know, right. uh, I'm, you know, can I pay the band extra money just because I have extra money? So it's all kinds of things, you know, you just mm -hmm. have to know that wherever that low point is, it's not permanent. All right. We don't have to get stuck there unless somebody chooses to stay stuck there, but we don't have to be stuck right. there. You know, I think that I think that's really important because I think we don't always feel like it. Yeah. But our feelings aren't all there is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know? you know, I also have to say, you know, my mother, Bessie, Bessie Cooley, <laughs> she's always around me and she's not going to be happy if I give up. <laughs> yes. Right. And, you know, and like there's something to it when people know that's just what you're supposed to be doing. So that's what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. So how have you adjusted during all of this weird COVID time? I mean, you know, and they closed all the concerts and, and I, you know, I work with a couple, I work with several musicians and, you know, they've done a couple online things and lives and did some playing in empty theaters and we all bought tickets and all of that. So how have you adjusted to this? Because I don't know about you. I'm, I'm we're about to hear that, but I am like beside myself because live performance on every level, theater and music is my mainstay. And it's like, whoa, it's like somebody just pulled out part of my lifeline and I had to sort out another way. So how have you adjusted to all of this? It's kind of also weird. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. Like I said, we were used to playing, I mean, a, rehearsing once a week and that was an adjustment. Uh, you know, again, my, my road manager, Nina, she's pushed me to continue to even get on Facebook live on, on regular rehearsal nights and just do it by myself if I have to, you know, which, which I do, you know, and, and the fans do like it or whatever. Uh, you know, we were scheduled to do a show like, you know, I don't know, March 21st or something and everything closed down in California, like March 14th. <laughs> you know, so we, we hadn't done a show at all in 2020 until uh september i don't know 19th or something when we actually did an outside concert uh in las vegas because from los los angeles to las vegas we can drive there we don't take a plane or anything uh so that we've only done one show this year and luckily we were able to do that and even with that it was weird not having an audience you know we were just it was on you know it was a pay-per-view so it was weird, you know, doing this show and there's no audience. <laughs> there's no clapping and there's nobody giving you any feedback or or yeah. any of that. That had to be really almost kind of creepy, right? Yeah, yeah, because, I, you know, I remember specifically going from, uh, I, I can't remember the exact song, but going from the song we had finished getting ready to go into the song, I Miss You, because I started. And it was like, do I start now? Just wait, do I, when do I, do I start? No, you know, right here, because there was no crowd reaction to know exactly 
when they hit the down beach. <laughs> right. I remember that moment specifically, like, when do I start? <laughs> right. Because you, everybody's watching you virtually and you don't even know who's there or how many people or what they're thinking or how it even sounds because it yeah. all depends on our computer system. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the delays or whatever. Sure. Sure. But it was an experience. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad that some people that may not have been in a position to go see us at a concert physically were able to see us virtually, you know, uh, for the first time. And I think that's one of the things that is really, I don't want to say great, but good, you know, about virtual concerts is that there are people that can finally see us that we may not have been able to get to that location. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I know you probably haven't, you may ask later, but even now, I mean, we have a virtual concert that's going on 24 seven on uh, Stimuli TV. And, you know, people can just pay their $9.95 to actually see an entire Climax concert right now. So we've got that going on. Oh, that's wonderful. So I'm going to make sure that you give me that link so I can put it yeah. in the show notes and, yeah. and let everybody know about it. Because so many of us are, are missing live music. And, and you make a really good point about there is kind of like a secondary gain or a little payoff to all this COVID restriction stuff because... I have been able to see people live, even though it's virtually that I wouldn't be able to get to the city they're in. Yeah. Um, unless I was traveling, you know, and spending way more money and time and effort than I would for one show. Right. And, and I've been able to support some of my musicians who are all in California and I'm in Florida by being in some of their virtual things. And, yeah. you know, usually I'm texting them beforehand. I'm really here. Imagine me in the front row with my goofy head, you know, or whatever, so that they had something funny to think about because one of the things they said to me is what you said. It's just like, without the audience yeah. there, it's, it felt kind of weird, you know, yeah. and overly silent. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, again, I mean, you know, to, I'm going to send you the link, but you know, the, all the links and information are on our, our website, climax.com, climax.com, you know, but the link there for the, for the, the concert is right there. And, and it's kind of, what it is, is that, it is uh, supporting uh, the American Cancer Society. So every time somebody pays a ticket, there's a portion of it that goes to the American Cancer Society. And since this is uh, Breast, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, <laughs> they're going to play the concert all month. So, you know, we're really excited that there are people that can go to that link, you know, on our website mm -hmm. and, and see the concert any time of day that they want. You know, you want to see it at 2 o'clock in the morning? Go for it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and that's a really good service and, and that's, you know, thinking about helping people keep live music alive, Yeah, you know, and performers alive. And, and that's one of the reasons why I asked about what goes in behind everything, because so many people don't realize that there are the managers and the, and the lighting people and the sound people and all of the players that depend on the venue of live music. Yeah. That's their livelihood. Yeah. And, um, and they're good at it. Most of them that I've met are really good at it. And, and it's a skill set that's, yeah. you know, that's important. Yeah. Oh, so that's really wonderful. I definitely want to put that link in the show notes for you. Now I have another couple other questions they're, they might seem a little random, but you're, you're game, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So has there ever been a time where, when you're, um, playing, you know, when you're doing a show that you like notice somebody in the crowd 
that if you weren't playing the show, you would go, I got to know that person. Like I can feel them or look at their face or something about them. You're like, oh, I feel connected to that person. Has that ever sure. happened? Yeah, that happens a lot of times. You know, it, it's really unfortunate that you've got this distance between you. You've got the short time span. You kind of connect you know, with your eyes or, you know, there may be some energy going on between you, you know, you're playing the song and they're kind of dancing along with you. That has really happened several times. And, you know, I, I, you know, you bring it up and it's like, oh, I never thought about that, but it does happen often, you know, and, and now that you bring it up, I'm going to pay more attention to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sometimes I think that that energy exchange yeah. Like, cause they're dancing in a certain way or they respond when they know, oh, that's the song. They know the first note. They know right where you're going. Yeah. And, and that connection, yeah. it, and I always say that the connection's the correction, that if we really want to have a better life and a better world, then it, authentic connection yeah. is the correction. It's what heals pain and grief and distance, you know, and here you are a woman on, in the, um, music industry when there weren't that many women who were playing guitar in an all women band, that's for sure when you started. And still there's still, it's not the majority. And so there's a lot to it in that way. And it requires that kind of um, focus on the vision. Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the way it is. And so therefore, this is my only choice. Like my yes means yes, my no means no, and I'm, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, I think it's a big point to bring across to everybody. And that's why I wanted to talk about consistency today, because there's a payoff in it. Oh my God. Yes, there is. It really is. And you know, you, you have to get past the naysayers because people are going to try to get you off your game. But if you just stay consistent, 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 it just... It, it will be such a big payoff in the end. I mean, I, you know, just thinking that I've been doing this for over 30 years because there's a certain consistency. Yeah, there may have been a pause, you know, but then when that pause button was released, the still same, the consistency, the moving forward, you know, not listening to the background noise and all the negativity or if there's negativity, but just staying, you know, I don't even want to use the word focus, but just staying, um, steadfast just move steadfast, forward move yeah. forward stay on your your target stay what is it that makes you happy go there <laughs> right exactly because you know you could have had the the guitar playing dna and gotten all the guitars and the whole family all being creative artists outlier people and you could have woken up one day and go i'm surrounded by a bunch of kind of weird people so i'm just gonna go you know work in some factory job and, and then secretly be miserable. Or you could have had parents who didn't understand it and say, well, you're a girl and you should go do this because you yes. need this, blah, 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 whatever all the story would be. Yeah. And you could have believed some things that weren't true and either had to climb out of it or still to this day, be secretly miserable because you didn't follow your heart. Yes. All of that. I agree with. Yes. Yeah. And, and some parts of it, I have lived, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've worked a, in a bank, you know, and, and, you know, thought about, God, you know, I really want to be on stage. I really want to play guitar, you know, but knowing that I have to stay there for a paycheck and there is a level, you know, of being miserable. I don't know if it's even so much being miserable, but it's like you're unfulfilled. There's something yes. not 
the blanks are not filled in. And it's like, you know, I need to fill in the blanks. Right, right. It's like there, there's that something missing. But I think that's where that yearning is and that and that being willing to follow the vision and, and stay persistent with it and continue to follow it, even when it doesn't look like it's happening, even yeah. when you're in a bank or even when there's no recording contract or even when everything it looks weird and then COVID happens and I can't play any more concerts. And that's what I do for a living. Like all those things, sure. you know, that the universe kind of happens to us. I mean, you didn't go create that. So it's so important to realize that there are those ups and ups and downs. And that's where that consistent focus on this is who I am and this is what I'm meant to do yeah. pays off. Yeah. And you have to learn from the downs, you know, just like I said, you know, becoming an electrician, you know, you would have thought that that was just no way part of the path, but it was something I had to learn to get back on the path. Even though you may feel like something is not happening, something is always happening. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's true. Did you hear that, everybody? Even though it doesn't look like something's not happening, something is happening. And that's true. It's true. Yeah. Very true. So, before we wrap up the show, I have um, one last question. But before I ask that question, I would like to know if there was anything on your heart that you really wanted to share with everybody that I didn't ask about or we didn't talk about, something that's coming up that you're like, I really need or want to say this. Well, you know, I always like to um, say what, whatever your passion is, whatever, whatever artistic uh, energy makes you really feel energized, even if it's painting rocks, planting plants, uh, whatever it is, making clothes, I don't know, throwing up glitter in the air, uh, make time and room in your life for that because it is so rewarding. Even, you know, even if you play guitar for an hour a day, that's all you can do. Make time for that. Do that. That energy is so important to the um, purposefulness in your life. You yes. know, if that makes you feel you, uh, the good you, the energized you, the positive you, do it, do it, do it for an hour, do it for a day, do it for a year, do it for a lifetime, whatever it is, you just got to do it. And for all those musicians out there that seemingly struggle, there, it's not a struggle. It's just a, a life path, path and purpose. And for the younger artists out there, uh, my one thing that I've learned the hard way, put money aside, put money aside, put money aside, save money. So I put it in somewhere you can't touch it put, because when you get older, you're going to need it. <laughs> that's a really good, that's really good advice though. You know, pay attention, be a good steward of the resources that come. Don't blow it thinking that it's an endless pipeline because it's not always endless. Yes. You know, and we never know what the, uh, the economy atmosphere is going to be 10, 20, 30 years from now. Right. So you just put something aside. I don't know. Buy an IRA when you're 21 and forget you have it. Whatever you got. <laughs> right. Whatever, whatever you have to do. That's really good advice, you know, because it's true. Yeah. You know, it's very true. And you remind me of something when, when you're talking about um, playing the guitar, whatever it is, do it is is I always think about the fact that we cannot use up our creativity, that when we open the door to it, more always keeps coming. There's always more where that came from. There's always something amazing where that came from. And so it defies the laws of I'm going to use it up because we can't use it up. No. You know, and I, that's what I was thinking when you were sharing that. That's beautiful. So your last question, and this is, this is a very important one because I think it really is a way, because you've said so many important things. Thank you so much. Um, 
is that if there was going to be a billboard that we were going to put up and and the whole world could see the billboard and have Cheryl Cooley at the bottom, what would the quote be? Live life to the fullest. Live it to your best. I love that. Live life to the fullest. Live it to your best. I love it. Well, everybody, you have been listening to Cheryl Cooley from Climax, the band. And it's an amazing band. You've got to listen to their music if you don't already know them. You will, and you will love them. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show and talking with me about consistency and your music and your life and getting to laugh together with you. It's so much fun to, to laugh with somebody who truly is living their passion and living their joy. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you. So remember, everybody, check the show notes for how to find and follow Cheryl and um, go see a concert whenever we can go go to them again. So remember, everybody, put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and live your purpose. And until the next episode, if someone gets me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.